Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 16th, 2014. Today our, we are reading from the big book and we are on page 158, paragraph 4. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Helene K., 12 Traditions, Sandy D. Reading the text, Marcella M., Nicole S., and Marie P. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, September 15, 2014, 6880. 6880. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Helene Kay to read the 12 Steps. Good morning. This is Helene in Florida, happily recovered. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I will now ask Sandy D. to read the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning. Thank you. This is Sandy D., Recovering Compulsive Overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, 
there is but one ultimate authority. Loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversies. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you. Our sole purpose. Oh, excuse me. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 158, paragraph four, and I will ask Marcella M. to begin reading. Good morning. Uh, this is Marcella, recovered a compulsive overeater in Boston. Um, that was June 1935. He never drank again. He, too, has become a respected and useful member of his community. He has helped other men recover and is a power in the church from which he was long absent. Um, good morning, everybody. So exciting to be here in this paragraph. Um, let's look at some dates because we're talking about um, Alcoholic Anonymous number three. On page 171, 171, the beginning of uh, Dr. Bob's story, it says that he got sober on June 10, 1935. June 10, 1935. Bill had been sober for two years and, and he meets with um, 
the last print of Dr. Bob was June 10, 1935. And then on page um, 184, which I strongly encourage you, all of you, after we're done with this meeting, to read the story of Alcoholics Anonymous number three, which is at the beginning of the story, it says there in page 184 that it was June 26, 1935. So just just imagine this. Bill is two years over. Dr. Bob is 16 days over. Two weeks and two days. And they come to pass the message to number three. What really makes me dizzy is not only the miracle that three hopeless drunks are sober now, but the speed in which this recovery happens. Like oftentimes people ask me, how long does it take to recover? Well, I think it's up to you how desperate you are and how free do you want to be. Dr. Bob proved like, what? Two weeks? And the third one? The third one, now listen to this. The third one recovered immediately. Does that mean that he didn't do the steps? No. But he immediately, in a matter of hours, felt that inequivocal hope and that inequivocal spirit that says, I got this. I'm going to do all the steps and I'll never think again. Where does that confidence come from? From the higher power, not from the three drums. From a power that was even bigger than the three drums to get it. So, how often do we do the steps? Daily. And um, how quickly do we do the steps? You, I better, I mean, I better, if I want to keep this unbelievable blessing of being recovered in my body, I better know how to do the steps in one day. And you know what? Even more, for the compulsive overeater that I am, I need to do all the steps before I start eating my breakfast. Before. In front of my breakfast, do I have a resentment? If I have a resentment or a paralyzing fear, it's in my best interest that I don't start eating. And if I'm going to eat breakfast today, I better go from 9 or 4 to 9 quickly, like in 15 minutes, so that I can start eating in safety again. Because a compulsively eater like I'm, it's not only my alcoholic food, it's the volume. And it's not only the volume, it's the way that I eat my safe food. I could just, I don't have words. We could spend one full day in this paragraph alone. The steps are doable. They're not something mysterious and out of reach. They're simple. They happen. The, the secret to, to, to ignite the fire and the, and the unbelievable blessing of being recovered in a once alcoholic body is he has helped other men recover. One of the most common resistance that I find when I work with another person is, no, no, I can't sponsor people. I just can't. I, I'm just too new. I, I, I still need to spend one-on-one time with you alone. Because we're self-centered, right? We're self-centered, and we, we have this full self-importance. As soon as I got like a teeny little sparkle of relief with my sponsor in a vision for you, I remember that I printed flyers. <laughs> it was in the first year of a vision for you. I printed flyers with the phone number 
hopefully and, and, and this hope, we can recover through abstinence and the practice of the churches and the traditions. There is recovery. It's not a fairy tale. It's not something that happened back there and then. It's something that is happening right here, right now, among us. I've seen the bodies of many of the, the people that speak in a vision for you. They match their voices. You see the confidence, the spirit, the fire that you hear in these voices match their bodies. They live in lean, healthy, beautiful, active bodies that are not morbidly obese or pathetically anorexic. And it's just, this is true. This is doable. How difficult can it be? It's a conversation among two drunks. It's not deep philosophy. It's not the latest trend in psychology. It's not like ultra-Orthodox religion. It's a simple talk about uh, among two people that need recovery. Now, for the word that I use, recovered, I'm a recovered. Does that bring me status among you? No, that's the whole secret. I need you as much, you person that is new, that just hasn't done the steps yet. I need you as much or even more than you need me. And, and when we study the services and the general the concept, and we study the tradition, there is hierarchy in the church tradition. Our, our boss is the person that doesn't even know that there's a vision for you. The person that is still eating, that spends the whole entire night eating, and doesn't even know that we're eating. And then the person that is newcomer, the person that is just putting the food down right now, and the person that, like me, spent decades, decades in Overeaters Anonymous, unable and unwilling to stop. I give you hope. This is doable. This is within reach. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Who would like to comment on what was said? This is Larry. Good morning, Larry. I hear Larry, and then I did hear Janice come in, too. Thanks, Larry. If you go ahead first. Sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. oh th- thanks, thanks, Melanie. I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate your service, Larry. Recovered uh, compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, so there it was, June 1935, and it's amazing to me. You know, he never drank again. You know, this guy became a respected and useful member of his community. You know, it, it was a lot of years ago. I mean, here we are, September. What was it? September 16, 2014, and yet. You know, I can't help but think that I I don't know what my trajectory will be. Okay, so we we can't say he never ate again. You know, this guy Larry from Chicago, and he never ate again the rest of his life. He never binged again. You know, that that story is still to be uh, written. But but I I can tell you that, you know, the God-centered existence that I live now as a result of these steps, um, I wouldn't bet against it. You know what I mean? I wouldn't bet against God in this case. God has entered my heart, and um, and, and, and everything's changed. You know, everything's changed. And, you know, this compulsion to overeat, in my case, was expelled. And like the, the speaker that, 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 uh, that read, uh, Marcella, that read, you know, um, we, we don't know you know how this how this is going to play out. Some people do get get this really quickly. It is it is about readiness, I think, for the message, and then one's life can be transformed. 
you know, here we have these 12 steps. You know, at some point, I picked up a spiritual toolkit that was laid at my feet. You know, it's right there. You, you might have the big book like I do right here. It's right there. Yet many, like me, <laughs> for years will will let this toolkit collect dust and, and cobwebs and uh, searching everywhere else for a non-existent solution, at least non-existent for me. And how could, you know, how could uh, I get complete freedom from misery? How could that be so simple? I was looking for it in its complexity. How could complete sanity be contained in the pages of, of some book published in 1939, you know? I thought it would be published in a book in 2014 that I could get from Barnes & Noble, you know, big flashy colors, you know. But this is a textbook. The first 164 pages haven't changed. And, uh, you know, if we, I'll say that if we think that our main problem centers in the food or the alcohol or some other substance, you know, we'll remain stuck in the quicksand. I know that from experience. No, no we, have to, we have to be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. You know, our food, my food was but a symptom. You know, I had to get down to causes and conditions. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know in, the, in the chapter, How It Works, so this guy, you know, he got, he, got, uh, he got sober, never had a drink again. But it doesn't say in Chapter 5, you know, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed a better food plan. You know, those who do not recover are people or cannot or will not, you know, completely give themselves to this simple program of physical exercise or, or fill in the blank. You know, it, it's, it's about following this program precisely so that we can get a new, re, a new relationship with our creator. That's what fills my heart this morning. And, and, and anyone at all can have it. I'm nothing special, nothing special. So grateful that this program saved my life. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Janice M. Yes, good morning, Melanie C. and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Well, it says he never drank again. Never. Never. <laughs> so this is in hindsight that, we, you know, this is written, and this is still is what happening today to a lot of us. Never till today. You know, today's a new day. But when we say never, how can that happen? You mean to tell me I'm never going to eat that binge food again? Well, the sentence before says, but he, but he had found God. And in finding God, he found himself. That's the solution to solve my problem of the obsession of my mind. That's why he never drank again on a daily basis because every day when God does things, he, he, he does it. When I try to do something, it doesn't happen. So the willingness came to bring God in, who's my higher power also, and he solved my problem. He, he, he took away the obsession for the day. And therefore, if I didn't have the obsession to pick up the donut or whatever it was, then the allergy wouldn't start. It's simple. It really is. Once we do, once we experience and go through the steps. Now, remember, he was a corker. His life wasn't useful. He wasn't respected. He was an attorney, and, and you know, he just was nothing. He said he was nothing. He once was something. But notice what happens when we have a transformation. 
we become a respected and useful member of the community. First, he was, a res- he was, he was respected to himself, to God, and to others. And, you know, he had a personal transformation, then I'm sure his family, and then his job, and now the community. So how does it start? It starts with my recovery, being recovered so I can be useful. That's the purpose. That's why God gave me this gift, to give it to others, to be useful to others, to pass it on. Because if I don't change, there's no change. And, you know, it flowed into me through others, so now I have to pass it on so it can flow in to others, and then that's the vision, God's vision for us, is to have this fellowship grow and problems being solved. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Rabia. Hi, Rabia. <laughs> Good morning, Melanie and everyone. I'm Rabia. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New York, and already I'm so inspired by all the shares this morning, and and thank you, everyone, for being on the line, especially those who are being quiet, because I feel your strength also. And, and this is such hope for me. I see myself so much right in here, that was March 5th, 2014. That's my date, 3514. Um, I may never pick up an alcoholic food again. I, I have that hope today, living in these 12 steps. And um, he has become a respected and useful member of his community, and that's my OA fellows. And 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 I I must have my OA fellows in my life. I can't do this by myself. I I need all of you and my face to face fellows and God and to do this. And so in my prayer and meditation meeting this I mean um, time this morning in my prayer and meditation time um, I was speaking again about Rabia. I just wanted to say that you're breaking up. If it's the same thing I'm hearing on my phone that everyone else is hearing, can you readjust? Oh, I'm breaking up now? No, it's not better. Okay. Um, so, um, so am I, am I quiet now? Better. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Um, I, I, I was thinking again of... of my recent meeting I went to where the topic was was good enough and and I and I've learned uh very recently to say this set aside prayer now before going into a face-to-face meeting and it's so beautiful to God please set aside everything I think I know about myself the brokenness of this meeting everyone's spiritual path and and you God and to be open to what is going on in the meeting and trust that the second tradition that in every um, OA meeting that God is the ultimate authority, a loving God as God may express himself. And and so if, if they all choose to talk about um, good enough, you know, I, I need to remember how it was for me that 
when I was mostly abstinent, I could go to these rooms and be loved unconditionally. And even though it was group support and dieting and, and emotional support to find unconditional love, um, it was still better than what I was doing, um, binging at home by myself. And and so for me, um, to be a respected and useful member of the community, I need to pray before I go into the rooms, and I need to just be quiet, maybe just be quiet and just be a living example of the big book of patience and love and tolerance, because I love everybody in my face-to-face meetings. I do. I have unconditional love for my fellows, and I have to remember that. Um, you know, and, I, and, and so this paragraph is so meaningful for me because I'm, I'm just finding my way in, in all of this, and, and especially in my face-to-face meetings because, because I start every day with all of you, and this is so positive and God-centered, and then I go out into the world like all of us do and try to live these principles in all my affairs. And thank you all for teaching me how to do this, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Robbie. And just a gentle reminder of our uh, suggestion of approximately three minutes share. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Renata. Suji. Hi, Renata. Good morning. And Suji. Good morning, Renata. Okay, good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata, recovered compulsive reader in New York. Uh, that was June 1935. He never drank again, sober for almost four years when the book was published. Uh, that made me think of uh, the story about the minister's son in page 56 uh, when he, you know, gave his life to to God. Uh, you know, it says, for the first time he lived in conscious companionship with his creator. Thus, our friend's cornerstone was fixed in place, no later vicissitude has shaken it. His alcoholic problem was taken away that very night years ago. It disappeared. And, you know, it sounds like the same for me that happened to Bill Bill D. Uh, God removed that obsession to drink from him. And in return, he helped other men recover, you know, step 12. He helped his community and his church. He lived a new life filled with service and self-sacrifice to others because, you know, when we get recovered, that's how we maintain our spiritual condition, right? And, uh, you know, for me, I came to a vision for you. I learned about my problem, about my disease, about the solution. And now, you know, I have to go out to my local meetings and uh, carry the message. You know, I have to reach out to newcomers. I have to to practice the 12-step principles in all my affairs. You know, not just on the line or in the rooms. I have to to live that new way of living that uh, it was passed on to me. You know, um, my sponsors took time to take me through the steps, and now it's my time to, to pay it forward. Uh, and thank you so much. Thank you, Renata. Thank you, Renata. And Suji, and after Suji, we'll move on to the next paragraph. Good morning, Sue. 
Good morning, Melanie, and good morning, fellow visionaries. Suji recovered in Pennsylvania. Um, so I was listening to this, and I thought it's time to laugh a little bit, and I remembered something, and I turned to uh, pages 187 and 188, which are part of the story of Alcoholics Anonymous number three in the back of the book. Because I remembered something about what the nurse said to Dr. Bob, and that always struck me as a tickle. Um, Okay, so on page 188 is this insert that says, the editors intrude just long enough to supplement Bill B's account, that of the man on the bed. And uh, then it's telling about how Dr. Bob and Bill tried to help others to get their own life in order and possibly help others. So um, it says that Dr. Bob said to me, if you and I are going to stay sober, said Bill, we had better get busy straight away. Bob called Akron City Hospital and asked for the nurse on the receiving ward. He explained he and a man from New York had a cure for alcoholism. Did she have an alcoholic customer on whom it could be tried? Ha-ha, did she indeed. Knowing Bob of old, she jokingly replied, well, doctor, I suppose you've already tried it yourself. That that always struck me because that's the thing. We It's like uh, we have found the enemy, said Pogo, and they is us. You know, that, that that's, that's what we laugh about here. And that laughter brings us such joy. It's just such a wonderful thing. And um, it has a bit of that on the page before, the part we've kept reading over recently in the last few days, that um, until I get things straightened up and begin to get the respect of my wife and some other people back and get my finances fixed up and so on and so on, said Bill B. and they, that is Bob and Bill, both laughed very heartily and said, that's better than you've been doing it, isn't it? which, of course, was true. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Suji. And Nicole S., would you take up the next paragraph, which is paragraph 5 on page 158, and read two paragraphs going over to page 159, ending with added to the fellowship. Hi, this is Nicole. I'm a recovery compulsive reader from Colorado. So you see, there were three alcoholics in that town who now felt they had to give to others what they had found or be sunk. After several failures to find others, a fourth turned up. He came through an acquaintance who had heard the good news. He proved to be a devil-may-care young fellow whose parents could not make out whether he wanted to stop drinking or not. They were deeply religious people, much shocked by their son's refusal to have anything to do with the church. He suffered horribly from his sprees, but it seemed as if nothing could be done for him. He consented, however, to go to the hospital where he occupied the very room recently vacated by the lawyer. He had three visitors. After a bit, he said, the way you fellows put the spiritual stuff makes sense. I'm ready to do business. I guess the old folks were right after all. So one more was added to the fellowship. And again, um, this paragraph, I look at it, and it you know, starts out with just their realization that they had to give away what they had, um, or they were going to be sunk. And um, I, 
I kind of want to focus on where it talks about the after several failures to find others, a fourth turned up, and um, just that they, you know, they had been they had been working, they had been seeking um, other people that they can help. They had had failed attempts. Um, they did not give up though, and you know they found this fourth person who turned up. And um, later it says in the paragraph that that he meant business, and you know this person. Um, he, he was ready. He was ready to go through the process, and he was ready ready to do um, what it what it takes. And um, I have to remember this for me that you know, first of all, just the importance that that I have to um, I have to reach out and I have to give away what has so freely been given to me, um, or I will be sunk. Um, and uh, um, and then also, you know, if I have several failed attempts. Um, I, you know, I have to keep. I have to keep trying because there's so many suffering compulsive overeaters out there who who desperately need this message. And um, you know, even if even if I don't have success with with sponsors or people I'm trying to help, um, I need to keep keep trying. And you know, I will you know eventually find people that are are ready, and they will be like. Like this guy, you know, who says this the way the way you put this, it makes sense, um, and I'm ready to do business. And um, I I always have to remind myself too that by helping others and by reaching out, even if they don't end up finding recovery, um, they are doing more for me than what I'm doing for them. So um, so it's it's helping every every time I reach out and um, and helping another compulsive overeater. It's Ensuring my my own sobriety, my own recovery, and um, so it's just so important um, that I put this, you know, so uh, vitally important that that I'm reaching out to others and that uh, I, I don't want to be sunk like they talk about. And um, that's all I have. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Who would like to comment on what was read? Kim. Hi, Kim. Good morning. Good morning. Is there someone else or? Uh, Lauren S. from Pittsburgh. Miriam. <laughs> Thanks, Kim. <laughs> We've opened up some more opportunities here. Hi, Lauren. I hear you, and then I hear Miriam just right after that. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim Z, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I'm going to read that line. So you see, there were three alcoholics in that town who now felt they had to give to others, that they had what they had found or be sunk. You know, I heard recently a speaker say that AA creates two needs. That's their job. It creates the need to do the steps, and it creates the need to carry the message. You know, and the need to do the steps, that's what we're seeing here. That's the technique we're seeing here. You know, meetings offer hope. But before they offer hope, they offer hopelessness. Because until we're hopeless, until we understand the true nature of our illness, why would we care about these steps? I mean, that's my experience. My experience in a way was that meetings never covered the doctor's opinion, so I was trying to diet my way through this fellowship. It wasn't until someone opened up that doctor's opinion and truly showed me what I suffered from, when I truly saw, oh crap, I'm screwed. I have an allergy of the body, which is never going to change. And an obsession of the mind that's always going to convince me it's okay to eat. And in that hopelessness and seeing people in whom the problem has been solved, 
it created the need for me to do these steps. The steps are wonderful. It says in the beginning of the book that these principles will help anyone. But for me, it's a matter of survival. For me, it's a matter of life and death. I am forced to do these steps. And that just creates a need to carry the message. You know, we hear that often, you know, one day at a time in the program. That's not introduced in the big book until after step 10 when it tells us we have a daily reprieve. Today I am recovered. Today I know I will remain recovered as long as I continue to do these principles. But I am also equally convinced if I stop doing these principles, if I am not connecting today daily with recovered people, if I'm not connecting daily with God, and if I'm not carrying this message, that mental twist will come back, which means it's going to convince me to pick up the food, and because the allergy is never gone, I'm going to be binging in the vicious cycle of the doctor's opinion. You know, I, I think of in, in how it works where it says, we are undisciplined and we let God discipline us in this simple way we've outlined. What's the way that's being outlined? The steps. I think of the spiritual experience where it says, what often is accomplished in a few months couldn't have been accomplished with years of self-discipline. I have to get out of self-discipline, which unfortunately was what I was taught in many OA meetings, and I have to get with the discipline of God. The discipline of God is I need to carry this message. I am honored to carry this message. But I know in and of myself I will eat if I do not carry this message. So I'm going to read that one more time. So you see there were three alcoholics in that town who knew they had to give to others what they had failed or be sunk. And with that I pass. Thank you, Tim. Lauren S. Thank you. Let me, let me just a moment. God side. Oh, hello, guys. I have not shared in quite a bit. Lauren S. from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a recovered compulsive overeater. <clears throat> and reading this paragraph, I just tried to relate it to myself um, because I take this story as almost like another personal experience like the back, like the stories in the back of the book. So I related to the, the man they were talking about when they say, you know, he had deeply religious parents. And in my case, you know, do I, how do I relate to this? Well, in my case, my parents are still baffled that my version of my higher power is not the same as the one that I was raised with in my church of my childhood. But in my experience, I have a loving relationship with God that saved my life, and I just have to be loving and tolerant with where they're coming from. And the second thing that I relate to is when, you know, finally we see his surrender on the top of page 159 when it says he suffered horribly from his sprees, nothing could be done for him, but finally he consented and um, he was willing to accept the spiritual message that was given to him. And uh, 
it seemed then that he was added to the fellowship. And that that was sort of my experience, you know, coming from trying to remember how I really consented to do this work. Well, what, what got me here was listening to this meeting. And before then, I was, I was really thoroughly involved in the tools and the fellowship, and I was abstinent. But I wasn't willing to accept a spiritual message. Um, I would cringe at the sight of the word hymn and creator when people would read from the book and the steps. But I believe he consented, just not even because of the spiritual message, but because he heard fellows who are just like him, you know, his, his pals, his buddies. And that's what I got from this meeting when I first listened to it. You know, I wasn't hearing necessarily a message about changing your spirit, your, your soul, but I just related to you women from hearing you share about your past. Um, and uh, thank you for letting me share. And it's good to be able to chime in this morning. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Miriam G. Thank you, Melody. This is Miriam, compulsive overeater, living in the solution one day at a time, calling from Israel. Yes, uh, as we read in the paragraph before, it says we find God, we find ourselves. And then he said, they say he never drank again. Yeah, we never drink again or eat again as long as we live in fit and spiritual condition. When I did the third step prayer together with my sponsor, um, I took my, myself the commitment to carry on working on the other steps and then to live in 10, 11, and 12, which it means step 10 is continued doing my inventory and not only looking at my side of the street. Step 11, improving my conscious contact with God as, as I understand him uh, by prayers, by meditation, by gratitude, by etc. And st- step 12, it's carrying the message. So we really have to live the, the program, not only learn it and not only read it. It's, it's, it's a program to be lived. It's a program to be practiced one moment at a time and to bring God in every situation in our lives. Otherwise, you know, I, I, I sunk. I, I just go down the drain and I can go back again to all my old ways. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Well, then let's move on then. Marie P., would you please read the next paragraph on page 159, paragraph 2. Okay. Thank you, Melanie. Uh, Good morning to all my fellows. This is Marie P., a compulsive overeater recovered. Um, All this time, our friend of the hotel lobby incident remained in the town. For For he was there three months. He now returned home, leaving behind his first acquaintance, the lawyer, and the devil-may-care chap. These men had found something brand new in life. Though they, they knew they must help others if they would remain sober, that motive became second. Uh, that motive became secondary. It was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. 
They shared their homes, their slender resources, and gladly devoted their spare hours to fellow sufferers. They were willing, by day or night, to place a new man in the hospital and visit him afterward. They grew in numbers. They experienced a few distressing failures, but in those cases they made an effort to bring the man's family into the spiritual way of living, thus relieving much worry and suffering. Okay, these these two men uh, were left completely on their own, uh, and and they went right to work. Um, they were fully equipped to work uh, because they had their program, their God behind them. Um, helping others is is so natural and automatic to me after I took step nine. I I feel that um, I feel that I came in into the program as an agnostic, and I had a wonderful sponsor who was very spiritual. And in a short period of time, I was saying to her, well, my God, and and she said to me, what? What did you say? And right then and there, we both knew that my God had spoken to me and I was on the right track. And that, that was wonderful. Um, I also found out that my God being my God, helped me to help others, not to not to be just in this program for the food. Because now if I think of the food, my immediate reaction is I can't I can't touch that food. My love is to God and the other people I'm helping. And that being the case, I have to stay abstinent if I want to continue loving them the way I do now. Because if I if I eat the wrong thing, I can't sponsor them. So that that was that was the the big thing of this program that I became abstinent with the help of God, just like these men became sober with the help of God. And now they're delivering the message to their new members and the idea of helping these new members transcends the happiness they got they got in giving them and not drinking any longer and that's a miracle i attest to it and thank you for letting me share i pass thank you thank you marie who would like to comment on what was read? This is Katie. This is this is Miriam. Hi, Katie. Leah. And then I also heard I heard Katie, Miriam, and Leah. Thank you. Okay. Uh, this is Katie F, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And, you know, the thing that I like to focus on um, 
they grew in numbers. They experienced a few distressing failures, but in those cases, they made an effort to bring the man's family into a spiritual way of living. You know, it doesn't say they decided they needed to rewrite how they were approaching people. They didn't uh, say they needed to soften the uh, spiritual aspect of the program. They didn't say, you know, that they had to change anything that they were doing. They were God's messengers. They saw themselves as messengers for God, and that is it. They did not see themselves as the message. The message is what God has done to us. And unless um, someone is, uh, is on board with believing me and believing that God has changed me and, um, and they want to do what I do or, you know, at least some um, version of what I do, you know, there's nothing more I can say. So this is just such a clear um, message to me. And, and the amount of time that has gone by. You know, it's just such a miracle to me that Bill didn't give up. And where would we be today if he did, you know, if he had said, well, I mean, I know he was discouraged at times, but, you know, they didn't. um... Sorry, Katie, we just lost you. Yeah. Am I back? Yes. Okay. So, you know, I just think that, um, you know, people can get so discouraged with, uh, you know, how many people are coming to the meeting or how many people are doing this or that. And, and you know, my job is to carry the message and to be a light and a beacon of hope at whatever face-to-face meeting or telephone meeting or whatever meeting I'm at. You know, my job is not to uh, make someone recover. I can't do that. If I could do that, you know, I'd be a billionaire. But I can't do that. It's uh, between them and their higher power. And when someone is willing to uh, put down the food and to pick up this uh, spiritual toolkit and to surrender to their higher power, then I'm there to walk with them. But I can't carry them. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Miriam G. Thank you, Melanie. This is Miriam, a compulsive overeater, living in the solution one day at a time, calling from Israel. Yeah, this program is all about God and building a relationship with him. And we do get it as we go along uh, through the steps, and then we live in 10, 11, and 12. And I believe that there's various ways of carrying the message, you know, apart from, you know, sponsoring people, guiding people through through the steps, you know, through the big book. Uh, you know, it's also given, you know, a good example in, the, in your community, given an example in your home. Um, you know, coming, of course, to this meeting and sharing. There's many, many ways of doing it. And I had an experience that I was a few years ago, like in a rehab, and, you know, for people that were compulsive overeaters. And I was in a very, very bad state at that time. I, I didn't see any, any hope for me to get out of anything. And so I left, and the person that was guiding it saw me after a few years in, in, a, in a place, and she just couldn't believe it, the way, you know, she saw the way I looked and the way I, I you know, I... Not, not, not only looking at the, the thing with the, the weight, you know, I still have weight to lose. I mean, that's not the thing. But she saw something on me that was different, that I, I was alive and I was... And obviously it happened after I went through 
this process. And, and the main thing is to, as I said before, is to keep working on 10, 11, and 12. And that makes us uh, even grow even more because spiritual growth is, ne is never, there's never an end to it. Thanks for letting me share. Pass. Thank you, Miriam. Leia M. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. These men had found something brand new in life, though they knew they must help other alcoholics if they would remain sober. That motive became secondary. It was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. I mean, obviously, this is such a profound story of transformation, and that's what is possible, you know, through these steps. Uh, you know, Bill D., um, as as was the case for uh, Bill W. and Dr. Bob, there was this natural progression as a result of their spiritual awakening. There was this natural progression of turning inside out from a life that was so self-centered, um, you know, and selfish, and a life-taking habit of self-expression to now a life-giving desire for service to others. I mean, that is a natural progression. That deep desire to help begins to emerge. That's what we're seeing here in the development of this fellowship in this community. That This, this chapter is entitled A Vision for You. It's, it's sharing about uh, the hope for a community, you know, because this natural deep desire to help begins to emerge, and this true compassion for the suffering of others grows it grows it develops you know it's gradual but it's inevitable so this spiritual awakening as a result of these steps as a result of these principles began to manifest in service you know that is the very nature of a transformed person remember what is a spiritual awakening it's a personality change a psychic change we begin to to think differently, feel differently, behave differently. We are not who we used to be. Bill D. is not who he used to be. He has been born again, not in his body, obviously, but in his mind. His old ideas, his old emotions, his old attitudes that he had when he arrived in the hospital eight times within six months of 1935, those attitudes and emotions have now been cast aside and a whole new set of emotions and ideas and attitudes is now dominating him. And when we choose a lens of self to dominate us, well, then we feel alienation and resentment and fear. But what if we, what if we choose the lens of spirituality? What if we choose the lens of harmony? Then we're going to feel unity, we're going to feel love, we're going to feel tolerance, we're going to feel cooperation, and we're going to want to serve. And that's what we see here. He got charged up about carrying the message, and that's what happens. I get charged up. I don't get charged up about me. I get charged up about us. I get charged up about what's possible. I get charged up because I've had the opportunity to watch with my own eyes and, and with my own soul people's lives become transformed. And that's something that, you know, is, is, is so profound to watch people's life become renewed and that they become reborn that you just uh, get quite a buzz from that. And so that's exactly what's happening here. The fellowship is being developed through this bright light of the program of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And thank you to everyone who shared today. Our meeting has come to a close. And we will close this meeting with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. 
Would Marcella M. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Marcella, are you still with us today? Press star one. Perhaps Nicole S., would you be willing to read page 164 for us? Well, I'm going to go to someone else. Um, Janice M., are you on the, on the no, ready I mean, for us to read page 164? I, I, I can do that. I'm Thank you so much, Janice M. Appreciate that so much. You're welcome. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God, Admit your faults to him, <clears throat> pardon me, and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.